Welcome to Book Notes, the Ohio Channel's conversation show where we look at Ohio authors and books about Ohio. Since 1972, the comic strip Funky Winker Bean has charmed and riveted worldwide readers with stories involving students, ex-students, and faculty members of Westview High School. On today's show, we have the strip's creator, Tom Baddock, who draws all of the Funky Winker Bean stories from his Northeast Ohio home. And thank you, Tom Baddock, for joining us today. That's nice to be here. Now, uh, I was reading in your bio that it seemed like from a very early age, you said that I want to draw comics. I want to be a comic artist. And you stuck with that. Yeah, I was a very young kid. I was Even before I could read, I could see that there was a real power on the comics page. There was something fascinating going on there. When I graduated from Kent State, I went to New York to try to get a job working for Marvel Comics or DC Comics. And I went in, I first talked to an editor at DC, and uh, he pretty much read me the riot act, you know, and, and he said, this is like Hollywood, you know, you, you got to live here in New York, you got to you'd be working at this full time. And I go, okay. I go to Marvel. In fact, I took some of his advice. I revised some of my treatments. When I went to Marvel, I talked to Roy Thomas, and he had a much nicer way of turning you down. You know, he said, this is as good as what we've got. And I'm thinking, yes. You know? He says, but we don't need that. We need stuff that's better than that. Um, and I came back. I, I got turned down initially, uh, but Marvel Comics said, bring some more stuff back. And I was fully intending to do that, but I went to my local paper, uh, Leary Chronicle, Telegram, and uh, I took some sketchbook in. I thought maybe I could get a job doing spot art or something while I was teaching. And the editor, Jim Dobble, looked at my sketchbook and he said, we have this Tuesday teen page. We're thinking of getting a cartoon for it. Would you like to do it? And so I, I walked out with my own comic strip once a week in the Chronicle Telegram. That's insane. It was great. It was, a, it was a great way to learn because you didn't have that pressure every day. I mean, I would go in with like about a half a dozen or more cartoons every week, but uh, it was a great way to learn. It was a great way to learn the job. So I, I was reading that uh, when you finally got syndicated with the, the, they, they wanted to change the name, right? Yeah. And, and can you just tell the process how you came up with the name Funky Winkerby? Sure. I didn't have a name. Uh, they wanted to change it because my lead character was named after my roommate at Kent, uh, T.D., Doonesbury had just come out. There was a character in the strip called BD. BD. Yep. So they didn't. Uh, they thought that was too too close. So I uh, was trying to come up with a name. And I, I, one day in my classes at school, I just passed out sheets of paper and said, "Write down any kind of funny name that comes to mind." Gathered all that stuff up, took it home. Uh, my wife Kathy and I sat in our apartment that night over the kitchen table, going through all these names. And we, I think, we combined Funky and Winkerbean, and uh, the syndicate said to go with that. Had I known this strip was going to last this long, I think I'd have worked harder <laughs> or maybe gone to the AP classes or something for names. So you went to Kent State? Yes. You majored in art? I mean, yeah, I was a general art major. I also picked up an education minor uh, because I knew I was going to need a job once I got out so I could teach. The school I ended up was Eastern Heights Junior High, uh, but I could have taught high school or even elementary. There was a point where you had to decide whether or not you are going to do this full-time or you're going to, to remain teaching. Right. So what made you decide to say, I'm just going to cut my losses and just go? And normally you would think that this has been my ambition my whole life, I'm just going to follow through, but I was really wavering as my wife Kathy is the one who made it. She wouldn't let me quit. <laughs> she said, this is what you wanted to do. You've got to keep at it and keep doing it. And the ironic thing is that a year later, they were talking about eliminating the art job at, the, at my old junior high school. So <laughs> there's no security in the world. So uh, it's, you might as well take the chance because it's as good as, uh, good as anything else. 
It was uh, September 1970, and I was a week away from having my bluff called. From the time I'd seen my first comic strip, I'd been telling anyone who'd listen that I was going to have a comic in the newspaper one day. At my high school prom, I told my future wife that I was going to be a cartoonist, and she replied I'd outgrow that when I matured. Fooled her on both counts. But in that halcyon fall, in seven days, I was going to have to put up or shut up. The following Tuesday, on the teenage page of the Chronicle-Telegram in Elyria, Ohio, a new comic panel was going to make its debut. A panel about teens written and drawn by yours truly. My first published cartoon in a real bona fide newspaper. It had to be good because that only happens once. Now, a teen strip was frankly the last thing I thought I'd ever want to do. My comic strip taste had been shaped early on by the comics my dad would read to me from the Akron Beacon Journal and later by the pulp sensibilities of comic books. But along the way, my focus became somewhat diffused. That fall in 1969, I took a job teaching at Eastern Heights Junior High in Elyria, and I'd get home each day and work on the material for Marvel, but I also began work on some ideas for a newspaper or comic strip. Does this make you want to tell young writers or writers that, that are starting out to like, you know, live the dream? Or is it more like realistic, like, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't? You know, being lucky doesn't hurt at all. And I was, I've been very lucky. But you need to put yourself in a position to be lucky. And so I would say, you know, uh, go for it. I like the idea of not having a plan B. Uh, you only get one go around, you know, so you might as well apply everything you've got and, and make, the, make that effort uh, as extreme as you can make it. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I noticed with my kids in high school, uh, I could never discourage an artist. If they had the drive and they wanted to, to follow art as a career, I couldn't talk them out of it. And by the same token, I could never talk somebody into doing something they didn't want to do. It's like, you're a really great artist, you should do this. I think the drive has to come from inside. So what kind of advice would you give to uh, anybody interested in going into uh, comic arts right now? It's tough. You know, I, I, I really don't know what I would be doing myself. Obviously, it would have to be something internet web-based somehow. Uh, newspapers are not a, a, a growing concern at the moment, and it's tough. It's very tough, which makes getting onto that comics page even harder. Uh, they basically have the very best strips, and they're not making a lot of changes. Uh, but what I see a lot of people doing is creating a web presence. They create a strip, post it every day or once a week or whatever, uh, which allows you to learn on the job and allows people to see your work and you can grow that way. And then they approach the syndicates with uh, what they've been doing for a couple of years. You have to be diligent and take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, the, the advice I used to give starting out was write every day because the day you skip may have been the day you would have written something really cool. And I found that to be true. Uh, so I try to write as, as every single day, and I still try to keep to that. Although my writing has evolved and it's changed and it's not quite the same anymore. Um, I can do big blocks of it now, and I'll have a lot of work out there. And then I can concentrate on the, the, you know, the, the drawing side and the inking and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, you need to attack it every single day. Mm. There's, a, there's another quote um, you had said, speaking to the writing, it said, or you said, <laughs> it being a human being, um, writing is like breathing, drawing is like an asthma attack. <laughs> For me, yeah. Uh, I've been very lucky. Um, the writing has always come very, it's been very fluid. Uh, it's always been something I do pretty naturally. Uh, the drawing I can do, it just takes me a long time. I sort of use what I call the monkey method. You know that thing about if you had enough monkeys and gave them enough time, they could make the Mona Lisa or whatever. 
So I figure if a monkey can do it, I can do that. But it takes me a lot of time. Uh, I've never quite made the breakthrough creatively on the drawing side. Um, that being said, you know, people will ask me, is it, is it hard for you to write? And, and I'll have to say, no, it's pretty easy. But I don't intend that to discourage people because, you know, that's for me. What, you know, other people, if they want to write, it may be more difficult. It may be like the way I draw. And you have to spend more time and uh, apply yourself more. Uh, but that's just what it is for you. And if you want to write, that's what you have to do. Has it become easier throughout the course of your career? Yes, uh, because of oh, practice. But also, the strip has become much easier. You have this history. Um, and it's, it's so much, it's great to be able to go back and cherry pick things out of that history. Yeah. I think I'd been doing the strip for about a month when I saw a peanut strip. And it featured Snoopy in his World War you know, one fighter pilot gear. He comes walking up and it came at the tail end of a strip where Linus was going through withdrawal because he lost his blanket. And so Linus is laying on the ground shaking. Snoopy comes up, looks down at him and says, poor blighter, his kind shouldn't be sent to the front. And I said, I could write something like that, but there's no, nobody's gonna know what I'm talking about. It took Charles Schultz 20 years to get to the point where he could do that joke. I just did a joke the other day that took me uh, 40 years to set up, <laughs> you know, so it, it does, it gets easier and more fun because of that. Well, this is interesting. I mean, um, what this is, is like uh, through just the longevity, you're creating this, this narrative setup, right. uh, as you've said. But there's another thing, you have to trust your readers. Um, yeah. And why don't we talk now, jumping ahead from the, the initial Funky Winker Bean to what was, you know, about gags and looking very lightheartedly at, at uh, youth culture. Um, to these couple of fast forwards where all of a sudden Funky is a recovered alcoholic, Les's uh, first wife dies of cancer. Uh, you're dealing with things that are all of a sudden not necessarily a gag. Right. So how, what in your, how did you trust the readers that they were going to stick with you through this? I was just doing that. It was pure blind faith, blind trust. I was hoping that they would hang with me once they saw what you were giving them. It, your audience doesn't necessarily, they say they want certain things, like they want a gag every day. They don't necessarily, that's not necessarily what they want. And you've got to show them, you know, where they can go. And then they'll say, I want that. You know, that's a good thing. I got an email from a guy at one point. I'd made, I think it was after the first time jump. And he said, this is great. And this change was great. And that change was great. Now stop. <laughs> you know? So I keep... Moving the strip, you know, by inches, I step over here and ask everybody to come over with me. And once we all get there, I step away again and ask them to come over with me. And I've had a real gift for my readers. They've allowed me to do that. And that's not every cartoonist gets that. Mm -hmm. But it, it, being able to write a strip with a backstory and a history is a, is a very enjoyable task. So do, does it happen first visually or does it happen verbally? That's interesting. Uh, you know... I like to, to jog a lot, and I'll get a lot of ideas while I'm jogging, so I guess it's in your head. These things kind of float around, and I'm way ahead on the strip now, and that's given me a terrific advantage in terms of thinking long-term. I don't have to worry about next Monday. I can think what's going to happen next December, and uh, I can allow them to gestate in my head. The next step is to sit down and actually start doing writing things out. Mm -hmm. um, my process will be when I sit down to write, I have a story in mind. I have an idea in mind. I sort of block out what I want to do. And then I harvest all my notes uh, in my bedroom, in my car, uh, in the kitchen. There's a notepad. And I just keep writing down thoughts as they occur to me. So I harvest all my notes and I spread those out and I see what will fit into the story that I'm writing. So that's where I can interject the humor into the work. 
you are, you're living the life. Um, when people look at you, you're like, you, you, you said you wanted to do this, you did it, and now you are it. Um, from that perspective, tell us, what is it like? Is it as dreamy as it is? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's like everything else. There's just a lot, of, um, a lot of tough situations, tough times, and everything like that. But in the main, I am getting to do what I've always wanted to do. And uh, so uh, on one level, it's always pretty good. You know, that's always there. Um, so then what about Ohio? How has Ohio influenced you both as a writer and actually influenced your work being centered in Ohio? Well, it was funny, you know, doing the kind of strips that I do, I'm not doing a strip about a cat on Mars. So it is located in the world that I know. So I've, it's like about a quarter inch removed from, from my real life. So I've, I can draw from anything and I, I, I just did. So when Crankshaft goes to a ball game, it's to the Indians game. Uh, when he was a minor league pitcher, he pitches for the Mud Hens. Uh, when you see uh, the characters in Funky in the town square, it's the Medina town square with the gazebo. I like to ground the work in a place that I understand. Uh, and then that gives my characters a stage to perform on that I know, I know where everything's going and what's happening. Uh, and it, it makes the work richer for me. And I think it, it comes through in, in the writing somehow. Um, now is when we want to do our little speed round thing, and I, we have a few, few questions. Okay. The rules, which are easily breakable, um, are you, you give us a one-word-ish answer uh, to a few of these questions. Um, for reading, fiction or nonfiction? Uh, fiction. Writing, pencil or pen? Computer. Hmm. Describe your Ohio in one word. Uh, normal. Favorite thing about Ohio? Uh, the weather. I like the winter. What would you say to your youngest self? Uh, don't quit. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, did I have a one-word answer for any of those? <laughs> no, and, and you, you did one. You won the prize. There you go. Well, thank you very much for sure, giving my your, pleasure. Your, your time. And, um, Thanks, and you have a new book coming out? Yes, volume four of the complete Funky Winker Bean. Buy it. It's on the uh, Black Squirrel Press, right, yes. at Kent State mm -hmm. University. Right. Uh, get a copy for yourself, your friends, your neighbors. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, get a copy for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. <laughs>